5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And on today's show, all sorts of things for you, including Amy Comey Barrett ascending to the Supreme Court of the United States and lots of voting happening in the United States and in Chile. But before we get to all of these great stories, we want to welcome you to the punch out with Eugene Perrier. That's me here on Breakthrough News. And we will be coming to you from now on Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So this is going to be a daily meeting time for all of us. We are going through all the news, as we said at the beginning, that is in the headlines, that should be in the headlines, what you should know about it, what you should do about it. We're going to get to all of that at 5 p.m. in 15 to 20 minutes. This is your daily anti-capitalist news hit. Just think about it like that. So make sure that wherever you are listening that you subscribe to the punch out here on Breakthrough News so you can listen to us every day, Monday through Friday. And of course, you can always go to patreon.com slash Breakthrough News and become a supporter. But on that note, we're going to get right into the news for today. I just happened to come just a little bit ago from that building behind me, the United States Capitol, where we took a vote to advance the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court of the United States. We're one vote away. Tomorrow, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, the final vote on the floor of the United States Senate to confirm a justice who is not ashamed to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And those were sounds from the National Mall there in Washington, D.C. That was a prayer, I don't know what to call it, prayer demonstration, I guess you could say, in support of Amy Coney Barrett. And that voice you heard was Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri speaking, obviously, very much in favor of the judge. And she is ascending to the Supreme Court of the United States after what can only be called a pro forma nomination process. Now, of course, Republicans are in total control, so there was already a bit of a foregone conclusion that she was going to make it to the highest court in the land, but maybe the Democrats would have done something, and, eh, you know, they half-heartedly enacted some obviously doomed-to-fail procedural maneuvers, including uh, some sort of attempted filibuster that took place over the weekend. But at the end of the day, you saw Democrats like Dianne Feinstein running cover for Amy Coney Barrett. You saw Joe Biden also adding some praise in there for the Notre Dame law professor and her character, which seemed to have even been connected to a rise in support for the judge in the week leading up to the nomination from the general public, despite her clearly odious views on a range of subjects allegedly near and dear to the Democrats. So a glide path for Judge Barrett there in Congress. Now, Of course, quite a bit of focus has been put on her views as it concerns reproductive justice, and it generally has been alluded to that she has a very right-wing history. But beyond abortion rights, it's unclear what exactly all that entails. Now, we can't get into it totally now, but it does seem particularly important, I should say, as we continue to be in the midst of a mass uprising against racism in this country, how her views as at her time as an appellate court judge on issues of policing played out, or at least 
to the extent we know, because she can only rule on the cases that come before her. And this seems even more notable coming off another weekend of mass protests in Illinois, protests sweeping the city of Waukegan after uh, the police killed a young black man and actually wounded his girlfriend in a shootout related to a so-called traffic stop. But be that as it may, you get the context, you understand why we're talking about it. Reuters did an analysis of Amy Coney Barrett's three years on the federal appeals bench and found that, quote, she has consistently sided with police or prison guards accused of using excessive force. Mm, There you have it. For instance... In four of the five times where cops or prison guards used qualified immunity defenses in excessive force cases, Barrett ruled for the cops. Now, this is particularly important because one of the very, 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 very few and frankly, very, very limited reforms that politicians are actually discussing as it concerns policing is ending qualified immunity, which is basically like, I was just doing my job, so you can't hold me accountable for it. Undoubtedly, the police officers will challenge any change to the so-called settled law, the body of law, whatever you want to call it, regarding qualified immunity. So depending on how high it goes, Barrett could rule on it. And just yet again, in four of the five cases where she was asked to rule on it so far, she ruled on the side of the brutal cops and the brutal prison guards. Now, you might be saying, oh, that's unfair. So to be fair, I just will note that she seemed to be somewhat willing to rule against cops when it was clearly shown that they had falsified evidence or lied in their statements. It's a pretty low bar, but be that as it may, that's her record on police accountability. But what does it all really mean? It means that at the end of the day, she tends to accept the status quo legal precedent, which means zero, zero accountability for police murders, barring absolutely exceptional circumstances or absolutely exceptionally spirited protest. So in an era where the legal bar for when and how cops can kill people will be increasingly challenged, it seems at best, at best, unlikely that Justice Amy Coney Barrett will provide much relief for those under the boot of police repression. Now, as of early Sunday morning, just about 60 million Americans Ooh, it's a lot, have voted early, which breaks all existing records for voting early that exist out there. Almost 60 million people, totally unprecedented, and at least seemingly this points toward a record voter turnout. Some are saying that it could exceed any election since 1908, where about 65% of people voted. In Florida, state of Florida, 40% of all registered voters have already voted. In Hennepin County, Minnesota, that's where Minneapolis is, talking about police uprisings, 53% of registered voters have already voted. There are three counties in North Carolina, including Durham County, that are in the over 50% club. Now, It isn't 100% clear, see what I did there, uh, exactly what this means, because most people who are voting early just about are Democrats, and many people, the vast majority of people, it seems at this point, who are going to vote on Election Day are Republicans. And that tracks what the polls have been telling us for some time, that most people voting for Biden would probably vote by mail, or at least a significant chunk of them, and most people voting for Trump would probably show up on the day of. That being said, there are some Republican counties in states like Texas where there has been signs of increased GOP turnout. So It might not just be the Democrats who would normally vote on Election Day voting before. It could really be a record turnout. But all that being said, there are some serious questions that get raised when you think about all these people voting 
what exactly voting at different times and what exactly that all means. And some of this could be different from state to state. You have some count, some states rather where you can count the ballots before and count the ballots after the election. Yes, both before and after the actual election date. So you could have some states that seem like maybe they're trending for Biden or trending for Trump. And then the night of or a few days labor, later, they flip flop in the other direction. And then they could even go back a third time. Who exactly knows what's going to happen here now? Not knowing who the president is on election night eh, may not be that bad. People are expecting it. They've talked about it. But for weeks, maybe for months, could be chaos. Better buckle up. That's what it seems like to me. Oh, and just one quick thing I want to add here. Even though it looks like if the polls are right, it feels like a wave election, a change election. Uh, Joe Biden being elected representing that sounds wild, right? Well, it is wild because the Wall Street Journal ran an article yesterday asking big business people who they supported the most. And it seemed like Joe Biden was right in there. And they reminded us, as we will remind you, that he told a group of rich donors last year that under his presidency, nothing would fundamentally change. So there's a lot of voting going on, but despite all that, it seems like it might take a bit more to turn the country in a more productive and humane direction. Sound of celebrations you hear after another vote, this time in Chile, and those come from a celebratory gathering, I guess you could call it. It's not really a demonstration or a protest in Santiago, which is the capital there in Chile. And this comes in the wake of a massive landslide election. 78% of Chileans who voted, voted in favor of starting the process to write a new constitution. Now, the current constitution was written during the era of the neoliberal dictator Augusto Pinochet. That's the 70s and 80s, for those who may not know, even the early 90s, in fact. And that constitution put serious hurdles in the way to making even the smallest changes in the ultra-capitalist social model of Chile. The document was essentially left in tatters, at least metaphorically, after mass demonstrations swept through the country last year, with millions of people taking to the streets to demand improved economic and social conditions. The proposal for a new constitution really arose as the system struggled with the street to find a way to avoid an even bigger social explosion, and the right wing has placed a number of obstacles and a multi-year process in front of those who want a new social compact in the country, hoping to blunt the effects of the mass uprising by, you know, sort of dissipating it, as it were, into a broader electoral process. Those hopes, however, don't necessarily seem to be bearing themselves out. Last week, just before the vote, massive and, I must say, very spirited demonstrations took place all across Chile, making it very clear that those who came into the streets and park, sparked this process are not going away. Way. And as Pablo Vivanco, who's a Chilean-born journalist and the former head of Telesur English, told us that this is actually part of a renewed trend across Latin America. All over, all over the region right now, you're getting uh, a swing, you know, to to the left, a realization that the the, the promises of, of the right wing are are going to be empty, right? Uh, I think you know, in some places, you know, people had uh, you know forgotten that there have been disarticulation of, of certain movements, and you know, you're you're getting another another sort of upsurge of people that are wanting to get an alternative to uh, the neoliberal project, the neoliberal the neoliberal state, and are looking for um, you know a better a better future right like I mean this is mm -hmm. this is uh, something that we're seeing all over the place 
That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah.